0: Welcome to Chowder and Grits, the podcast for Virginia Tech and ACC sports. I'm Justin Kochiola alongside Tim Hurth. It's Wednesday, August 10th, and uh, we are rapidly approaching the start of the football season. A little bit of a later start this year for us. We're typically uh, early bloomers in July, but you know, life gets in the way. August 10th, here we are. We're talking uh, kind of an off-season recap, looking at Everything going on around college football, NIL, realignment, some media rights conversation. Then we'll take a look at recruiting, start a fall camp. But before all that, Tim, what's going on?
1: Not a lot, man. Just had to get used to the podcasting thing again. I got down here and the boom mic was laid across the desk. And you know we got some work from home stuff down here now. I got dual monitors over here to my left. I'm on the laptop here. Um, like you I couldn't remember logins and passwords so we're rolling we got it yeah, up and running
0: I've got the same situation so I'm actually using the work laptop tonight because I couldn't get my personal computer to work because I had not hasn't been on in a while right um, but yeah just figuring out passwords I was I was telling Tim actually before the show um, we did a show I think our last episode was back in March I think we did a little March Madness preview yep and uh when i went to post that i realized if you tried to listen to chatter and Grits from between january 1 and march 15th or whatever that was yeah it wasn't available (laughs) so little, (laughs) uh, little credit card lapse there um but yeah no glad to uh glad to be back trying to get back into the swing of things um you know i think uh coming up as far as like the preseason menu goes for what we have for you, we're going to do a hokey preview next week. Uh, we'll look at the offense defense uh, kind of break uh, breakdown of the schedule expectations. So we'll kind of save some of that chatter for uh, from today for next week. And then the following week, we'll look at the ACC uh, jump around. ACC will be really interesting this year. A uh, couple of really good uh, teams and then a lot of question marks, which is what ACC football is.
1: That's right.
0: And then uh, that'll take us into the season kickoff week, uh, which um, fortunately, not as much hype this year, just with the opponent, it's old dominion on the road. Hopefully that never happens again.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, I'm right there with you, man. Um, it's you know, a weird honestly, one.
0: honestly, like I was on a, another group chat of mine. Um, I, I have been group chat sleeping around by the
1: way. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, this is news to me. I'm I really hate that you broke this to me live.
0: Um, but, I just, I haven't been as amped up for the Virginia Tech football season this year, or really just college football in general. Like one, I guess I've been busy, things going on, you know, life things, but I don't know if it's like the old Dominion matchup or like, I don't know. I mean, last year you would have expected that with like, just going into like a lame duck season with Fuente. I'm jacked up about Brent Pry, jacked up about the new staff. But just from a football standpoint, I don't think we're going to see like great football this year out of the team. And that has nothing to do with the staff. I think it's just like a year of transition. And I don't know. Sure. It's just I, I don't have the hype at this point as I traditionally would going into a football season.
1: Yeah, no, I kind of agree. I mean, my hype overall for college football right now is through the roof. We're at the time of year where time is moving like molasses. And I cannot wait for Week Zero to get here. When you have your inaugural Hawaii playing zero some random sucks team,
0: sucks this year. There's hey, like no matchup.
1: I will take any college football. I, I can think
0: get. I think the best matchup I saw it was Nebraska against Northwestern in Dublin, and they stuck that at oh, it's in Dublin. That's <laughs> why it's early. Yeah, I'm like, what did they put? I mean, that is the game of the week.
1: Well, here's what I, I can understand: like Have people in Dublin been clamoring for that matchup? People
0: in Dublin don't even know what a football
1: is. <laughs> what are we doing that we chose they're, Dublin for that match
0: They're going to think the soccer teams from Northwestern and Nebraska are headed over, and they're going to be sadly mistaken by what they see. They're going to be like, Well,
1: you know, I, I imagine in Dublin, if they are watching football, it's pro football. And, you know, we've been launching acts of warfare by sending the Jaguars over to England for the past five years. But for those poor guys longer, in Dublin – I think
0: it's been a closer to a decade for the Jets. I mean,
1: I mean, Northwestern is going to be putrid this year. <laughs> yeah. Putrid. I'm pretty uh, sure – Nebraska should handle business.
0: I'm pretty sure Notre Dame has played in Dublin before.
1: And that makes sense. Right. Kind of, in a way. I mean, so if you're going to be they, a fan of a college football team in Dublin
0: – But, yeah, at the same time, why not put Notre Dame over there? Why, why not make Notre Dame – like? To, to Dublin, what Jacksonville is to London, right? What? Which unfortunately <laughs> for London, they got stuck with the Jacks.
1: Well, oh, that stinks, man. I mean, oh.
0: they, they're probably like, this sport sucks. Like, yeah, I have no interest. <laughs> <I> mean, <there. laughs> don't bring it over here. It's this so Urban boring. The Meyer guy, he actually won a football game. and. <laughs> God.
1: No, you know, I, I have no idea what the connection is. It just seems extremely strange to ship the Cornhuskers out there and Northwestern. I mean, I get it. They're the afterthought punching bag, I think in that matchup, but that's just well, weird, man, all around just weird.
0: I mean, this is the issue with college football as we sit here today because you've had all these scheduling things and I guess they're in the same conference now. Right. So, yeah, but yeah, I mean, Northwestern, Nebraska, like why did, why were those teams like, Yep. Yeah. That's, That's what we're going to do to expand the game. It's going right. to be like nine
1: to six. Yeah, we're going to see that global growth, baby. I love it. And, you know, college football is one of those things to me. Why are we even doing this? It's college football. I understand the NFL trying to work its tendrils into the global market, but it's college football, man. It's this inherently regional thing. And, I mean, this goes into the whole spiel about the the loss of regional conferences and those kind of things. It's, and I get it it's it's corporate America, it's money, this is bound to happen, but still, it's just extremely frustrating, man. I mean, when you take these local rivalries, not that they're a rivalry, but you throw out local rivalries in the name of mega conferences, you start shipping out a Nebraska-Northwestern matchup to Dublin. I mean, what are we doing here?
0: Yeah, I mean, if anything, you hope they put the ACC over there, so maybe that opens up some, like, TV money expansion to anything anything <laughs> can we get the meteorites to dublin please like <laughs> i mean the, that's it, worth we, at least like 100 mil
1: we'll take the meteorites to the balkans for god's sakes right now yeah. as the acc man they probably um, have as
0: many people over there as like christiansburg
1: i'm surprised we don't have college football nfts yet and maybe we will i i assume that's coming at some NFTs, point
0: like what a joke honestly i know like, what they're trying to do with nfts right now like maybe there probably is a future for nfts but like do i is want there I, I don't know. Like, I, I've I honestly have no clue. But, like, when you try to make a NFT of like a baseball card, right? That kind of defeats the purpose of a baseball card. Right. I can look at a picture on the it's, internet whenever I want. Right. I don't need to buy it.
1: It just, no, I don't know, man. It's not my thing. And, and hey, if there's any NFT folks listening to this, I respect your NFTs and. Yeah. I hope they make a lot of money. I just know nothing about them,
0: Um, but I'm
1: sure college football is going to start dabbling in some NFTs if they haven't already.
0: A little early for me. Actually, the only NFT I'd be interested in right now is like game tickets since they've taken those away from us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'd be interested in those. Like
0: you can't have paper tickets anymore.
1: Uh, They used to be so cool back when they would release those and they would have, you know, the shots of the players on each separate ticket. And
0: yeah, I've got a man case over there of like all my cool tickets and, it will never be added to again
1: yeah well lovely now what a down to start the podcast on
0: yeah damn tickets you know that's um but yeah you know we kind of hit it towards it a little bit and first off you know we're back so you know first time listeners be sure to subscribe tell your friends uh tell your mom Tell your brother you know tell your neighbor you know we're pretty big (laughs) in the uh, in the acc community so they've probably heard of us that's a joke
1: we're we're gonna need the new guys to offset the amount of nft uh (laughs) losses we just took
0: right right um so yeah rate share and uh yeah appreciate you being here but let's um let's kind of go into it we handed out a little bit wanted to talk about it don't want to talk about it forever but you know realignment in college football 10 yeah You know, I think a lot of the dust has settled on it for now. You know, there was uh, news kind of developing today around the Big Ten and their media rights deal and that ESPN backed out. ESPN's been there since 1982 broadcasting Big Ten football. No more. It's gone. I guess probably the same for any Big Ten sport. Um, And it sounds like it's going to be a mix of Fox as the the primary, the lead dog, and then – CBS and NBC. And they're talking upwards of a billion dollars. So, which brings you to the ACC because the ACC, everybody kind of knows it at this point. They can't really do anything right now if you're a school in the ACC because of the whole grant of rights situation. Long story short, even if somebody did try to do something, you're talking about years and years of lawsuits millions upon millions of dollars maybe even going into the hundreds of millions of dollars so it's really not even feasible and even for a team like notre dame that isn't a full member of the acc for all sports outside of football it would still cost them almost two to three hundred million dollars to go a different direction so you know i think from the realignment conversation it is interesting because I look at how these conferences are aligned today and I've seen a lot of information on it. And the reason it's important is because, you know, money is what moves the needle. And, you know, we were joking around about the Dublin game, but, you know, being in the line of work I'm in, you know, I see media metrics and college football has the second most eyeballs of any sport in this country, second only to the NFL. That's ahead of the MLB, that's ahead of the NBA, and there's nobody else that's even close after those four. So, you know, you've got this big monster, you've got all of these top tier programs, now you've got NIL being introduced, and now you've got the ACC that is literally just sitting here as a lame duck for the next 14 years until they can do something. So, It is gonna be interesting to see what happens over the next six months, a year, two, three years. I imagine something is gonna happen in the short term to dictate the future of the ACC. But really, honestly, if you're in the ACC, best case scenario right now is Notre Dame decides to join as a full-time member and that allows you to rework your TV deal. Potentially you get somebody in there along with Notre Dame that can help spike that a little bit but there's not many names out there right now worst case scenario there's no expansion you the exact same way it is until 2036 and everybody just kind of passes you by you're still competing i still think these teams will be able to compete so i don't want to get like too like doomsday flooded like that's the end of every program in the acc because i just don't think that's realistic but i think Will probably land somewhere in between of those two scenarios, and even Jim Phillips, the ACC commissioner, has hinted at, like, no more revenue sharing, like it's basically based off performance, very much like the English Premier League, right? Not like the NFL or the NBA, to where everybody gets the same amount of money, which, you know, for the teams that are underperforming. They're going to get less of the pie that would help the teams up top but then your league becomes even worse so there's right. there's a lot of things that that have to shape themselves out
1: yeah there is and you know obviously it's frustrating mm-hmm. thank you john swafford for putting us in this position um there are a few different things the acc can do and we'll see how it works out you know courting notre dame just seems like a hopeless effort to me i mean they're in the catbird seat right now um really what we can hope for in order to change the acc's fortunes is that the programs themselves start performing a little better um it'll be interesting to see what happens i mean if you lose the revenue sharing aspect that's a really slippery slope for programs that are smaller um it, it may have a couple bad years that they otherwise would be able to turn around but without that you know revenue sharing that could be a snowballing situation where you have the same much like the English Premier League, you have the same six teams that are good every year, while the rest of the 14 are fighting out for mid-table and bottom-table finishes. And that doesn't make, and I'll tell you, as a fan of the English Premier League, that does not make for exciting television. Um, you know, right now, you've had Manchester City on a tear, winning something like four out of the last five titles. Um, and, you know, a lot of that is because of the imbalance in revenue. Now, Manchester City is backed by an oil state, so that's, you know, a completely different discussion. You can't do apples to apples there but i don't want to say you know get rid of the revenue sharing however we have certainly backed ourselves into a corner where there aren't a whole lot of options at our disposal here Um, you know in the short term i kind of just try to block it out Uh, my main concern when it comes to conferences and those kind of things is i want to be sure that the college football playoff is expanded And I would like to see automatic bids for as many conferences as possible and conference winners, because what I don't want is this to turn into the SEC, the Big Ten, and then that's who we're seeing compete for a national title every year. That's who we're seeing in the playoffs every year, because those two have the money and the backing, really, if they wanted to, to dictate. I mean, Sankey, the SEC commissioner, could dictate the future of college football with where he sits right now. Yeah. and. What I don't want to lose is what makes the college football special and seeing these matchups continue into the future and not isolating, you know, the power two conferences, have them play each other. And then we're, you know, left with a group of five on steroids underneath that have no hopes of ever competing for a title. And we're, we're heading that direction right now.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, you know, and maybe this is why I just have my, my college football sales are not flying as strongly as they normally are at this time of year um because i am very much looking forward to football i've just been more focused on the nfl than right than uh than college but you know you've got these you've got basically two conferences that are i don't know what they're doing right now i don't know what the end game is but it feels like they're trying to form some kind of like nfl type of format yeah. The problem is you've got good programs all over the place that can add value to the overall college football product. So how did they fit in? And I'm not talking about like a Boise State. Mm-mm. I'm talking about Notre Dame. I'm talking about Clemson. I'm talking about Miami, Florida State, Virginia Tech. Baylor's been really good. You know, Oregon, Arizona State, Washington, Stanford. Like those, those are like big
1: – Yeah. I mean, Oklahoma State,
0: Oklahoma State, like over the last 10, 12 years, like a lot of those teams have been in the top 10 at different mm-hmm. points in time. They're not going to be your perennial top ten some of those some of those names are like Clemson. Yeah. But it's like, what do you do with that? So the whole like NFL thing and then you still got teams like Rutgers and Vanderbilt in mm-hmm. Illinois and Northwestern that don't do anything. From a football no. standpoint, so it's like it's just this weird kind of like I I don't understand what's going on Maryland I should throw in there, and it's frustrating. You can walk
1: to the Target on Maryland's campus, by the way.
0: You can, per mm-hmm. Tory Smith, there. Yeah, uh, which is why a lot of guys commit apparently. That's right. Um, but yeah, I don't know. So it, it's just one of those things. I wanted to hit on it briefly, but um, like you said, I mean, I think there's always going to be football in Blacksburg, obviously, people are always going to care. But, you know, I think, uh, I think there's a mix of fans where they're like, well, you know, I'm going to love Virginia Tech football, no matter what, I think that's the vast majority of us. But you want it to mean more than just it's football season, let's go out there and beat ODU, you know, (laughs) you want to go win 10 games you want to go win your conference you want a spot in the playoff a spot at the national championship you know playing old dominion and wofford and liberty doesn't get me excited right i just don't i just don't care right those matchups mean nothing to me they're more detriment because if you lose (laughs) you know you're seen as a joke that's right it's it's happened to us three times in state
1: we get it yeah so it's just you know they're walking a fine line now a lot of the interest in college football is tied to regional rivalries family traditions and a lot of what we're talking about now and a lot of what's on the table could potentially suck the soul out of college football the soul of college football is part of what makes it such a damn good product and i hope that's taken into consideration And look, I'm not, I get how this works. I understand USC and UCLA going to the Big Ten makes sense, you know. But if I'm a UCLA or USC fan, it
0: only makes sense for money purposes. That's
1: right. It, It only makes sense for money. I just hope that we're making where we can, we're making sure that we protect the soul of college football while figuring out a way to maximize the value and for everyone to make as much money as possible and continue to get the pay- players played paid continue to have their nil resources available to them. All that good stuff I want all that to continue but there's got to be a way to balance everything, and I think the key to college football what makes it special is in theory, now I get in practice this works a lot differently, you have all these power five conferences. Um, and heck, even some folks in the group of five conferences that have a way to get to the national title game, right. theoretically.
0: Well, I think I think what you're saying is, you know, there needs to be regulation. Oh,
1: 100%. That. Yeah.
0: Um, and that's kind of like the primary issue right now is, you know, you've got everybody on these, just kind of in their own little world, in their own markets, and just kind of paying whatever they want. And it feels very like I'm run by an oil state type of deal, especially when we're looking at Texas A&M because they pretty much are.
1: (laughs) Oh, I was going to say yeah. You
0: know, quite literally. So it's like, you know, there there is a very uh, big disparity when it comes to that, and I think the the NIL thing is, you know, Virginia Tech announced, uh, I think it was the Commonwealth NIL that they've raised like three hundred thousand dollars for twenty eight players, which, you know, it's not going to pop off the table at you. You're not talking about that much money at the end of the day but it's not nothing and i think like a a lot of these guys like you know when we're talking about the big nil money we're talking like the one percenters
1: right yeah your arch mannings so the vast majority of
0: guys probably be happy getting ten thousand dollars a year you know because before that they probably weren't getting anything or you know maybe they were getting the bags with mcdonald's drive-through or however it was being done but you know, there's uh, there's a variety of things to consider there. But oh, yeah. yeah, so that is what it is. But let's go over to uh, to recruiting a little bit, Tim. We're going to talk Hokies recruiting. And, um, you know, it was good to hear from Pry and just some of the offseason interviews that recruiting is a 365-day-a-year job, right? It's yeah. always happening. There's always an email to send or a phone call to make or, you know, somebody to go see. Um, so, I mean, his, his approach is so wildly different than, than Fuentes and, um, you know, I think some people have been giving him a hard time or not him per se, but the staff just with the commits that we have obtained so far for the 23 class, um, because it's been, I don't know what the number is up to now, like 19 or 20 and it's all three stars. Like the overall composite rank is 0.86 or so. Um, and so it's not like anything to write home about. And you know, there's the potential that some of those guys may get reclassified or upgraded to a four. Um, but I was kind of taking a look through, you know, the two, four, seven board this afternoon. And, you know, really once you get past like the 28th ranked class, you'll find a, a four-star athlete here and there. Yeah, you know, but they're all in those top 28 classes. So they're gonna to have to figure out a way to do it, but we were talking about NIL a little bit. I think the one thing I've noticed is yes, there has been a focus on Virginia. They're definitely you know, getting around, they're trying to build back those relationships. But if you look at the top recruits thus far in the class, they're not pulling in the top recruits in Virginia for the most part. Most of their recruits are the mid-level prospect guys, which is fine but you want to see them start to get some of those top 10 guys, those top five guys. And that's where you're really going to have that like momentum on the recruiting trail, especially in state because those guys want to play with each other. So um, that to me has been kind of the biggest thing I've noticed from recruiting so far. I think one of the positives has been like the size of these guys and the profiles and things like that. So it's, it's interesting to see how it is, but, like anything else just like this football season I think it's going to be an uphill climb and I really suspect that we will start to see the fruits of their labor about like what they're doing now like planting those seeds around the state basically really start to take shape next year you know going into the 2024 season
1: yeah well you were never going to see the efforts really truly pay off and star uh rankings this early especially in this cycle I mean, you've you've laid the foundation, right? Look at some of the high schools these guys are coming from that are committed. Um, the inroads have to be made. I don't think you can, and I don't wanna turn this into the Bass Justin Puente podcast. We did enough of that over the course of three years, um, but it's hard to understate the damage that was done in our state from a recruiting standpoint To this football program and that kind of damage can't just snap your fingers and and make it go away doesn't matter how good of a staff you put together from a recruiting standpoint Um, i think we've made some really good hires i think we got guys that are grinders on the recruiting trail sean quinn being one of them Um, you have the right guys with the right go get it attitude which trickles down from the top you know pry is a grinder and that that kind of grind is what it's going to take to get the relationships built back up with the local schools in the state of Virginia, I mean, rewind. What was it? Two years ago, or th- maybe a year? I can't remember. Fuentes, one of Fuentes' last classes, I believe, had four or five players from the state of Virginia in the entire class. That is well. That was unheard of.
0: I mean, that was more than he was getting. Like, I yeah. think there was a year where he got
1: one. You know, it's these kind of things are just you look back on them, and I remember saying it on the podcast at the time. That was a fireable offense. If you're going to have success at Virginia Tech in football, you're going to do it on the back of Virginia players. Not totally, but they're going to form the bedrock of your recruiting classes if you're doing it in the right way. And that goes for any anybody that's not a national brand, like a USC or a Texas or an Alabama, right? Texas and USC get a lot of California and Texas kids. Alabama doesn't get so many Alabama kids only because the the talent pool in Alabama is not huge right so they they've got the brand where they can go out and pull it
0: same with LSU and Louisiana correct they're pulling from Texas they're pulling from
1: Virginia Tech we can get a couple of those guys to supplement a class but we are obviously not the brand that Alabama is now what we can do is we have a fertile recruiting ground in North Carolina and Virginia And we have got to figure out how to nail on these recruits that we had been so good at capturing before. And they don't all have to be four stars. Look, we made a lot of our bread and butter with high three-star guys. And they are going to form the bedrock of your program. So I'm loving what I'm seeing is in regards to that. And the the renewed focus on the Mm -hmm. state, it tells me the relationship building is paying off. You're seeing early returns on that. You know, look at some of these high schools. These guys are coming from Highland Springs, one of those things where you see it in like a great, Thank goodness, let's keep that pipeline open. Um, not to mention, we just locked down the number one player in the province of Ontario. So yes,
0: we did. not only Mrs. are we building
1: a, a regional brand, we're going international. Yeah. It, it, it's Pitbull, Mr. 305, baby, locking it down. Here's what I got to say, though. Um, you're not going to see the impact in the star rankings this year. But if you look for the signs of improvement, they're already there, Right. And I I like you can already tell the kind of archetype of player that Pry is recruiting. You're seeing some length, you're seeing some quickness, um, all those things sorely missed. And and we'll go over it in the preview podcast as well um next week. But even some of the position changes, I think, are intriguing in regards to what Brent Pry wants, where he wants it. And you're seeing that on the recruiting trail as well. So yeah, no need to panic. And look, mm-hmm. I realize people are gonna get frustrated. That's human nature, but Nothing in this cycle in regards to recruiting should discourage you to this point. The results will come if the method is followed. And to me, yeah. the method checks out. Before, the method was not checking out. All right, that was panic time when we were getting two and three guys from the state of Virginia in a Virginia Tech recruiting class.
0: In a, in a good year. Yeah. Now, I think, um, yeah, I think if you're not happy with all the steps that have been made this offseason towards recruiting, then you're just never going to be happy. Because I mean, it's exactly, it's almost like Whit Babcock, like, put a genie in a bottle and made a wish of, like, the type of football coach that he wanted on the recruiting trail. And then out came Brent Pry
1: because
0: he bleeds orange and maroon. He looks like he's from Southwest Virginia. He acts like he's from Southwest Virginia. He sounds like he's from Southwest Virginia. He's recruited the state of Virginia well for a number of years and his bread and butter is defense which is really the backbone of what virginia tech football has been especially right. in its peak days so you know i think um i think from that standpoint it's good and i think you know if you look at frank beamer back in the day and like what they would do from a recruiting standpoint like they were pulling in blue chips like no occasionally they get one like Michael Vick was a five-star yeah
1: sure. T- Tyrod Taylor but those guys weren't they, they weren't plentiful let's say that
0: but that was that was the one chip in the in the bag of chips yeah it was the only blue one right so right. it's like um
1: but you maximized you know. what you got from those three and lower four-star guys that's the key because of the identity but what right
0: that's what Beamer was great at and his staff yeah. was great at was taking a two-star like Cam Chancellor or Cody Graham and turning them into the players that they were. Right. I don't know if that plays as well these days, just because of the immediacy to winning and the transfer portal and guys just bolting every time they're knocked down the chart or they're not moving up as fast as they can. Um, So you've got to be able to like figure that out. I think the transfer portal uh, can definitely help fill holes. But I really love to see guys at the quarterback position or guys in these skilled positions come in, be recruited, stay, and develop into really good players. Agreed. Um, opposed to just trying to snatch and, like, you know, stop water from from drowning the boat. But That's right. Um, but, yeah, no, I think what Pry's doing on the recruiting trail is great. Um, the focus on Virginia has been really good, and then you know we were talking offline about the West Virginia game. So I'm watching the uh, I'm watching the ACC Network, um, campus visit show, whatever they call that. And uh, Virginia Tech is obviously the featured class, and there were, I think it was a promo or something. And Pry was, <laughs> they were like showing the guys jumping and Pry's on there. He's like. Some schools have home field advantage. Some schools don't. And if you don't, it's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> something or, <laughs> it was something to that effect. And I was like, I gotta go to the West Virginia game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta be there. <laughs> it's yeah, like it, it, it's I'm gonna be up. ridiculous.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I mean, like, I've never been to a Virginia Tech West Virginia matchup, like you know, when we were in school from 2006
1: to 10. Yeah. I never have either.
0: 2006 to 2000 through yeah, we 2009 weren't, we weren't football playing. season. They stopped playing in 05
1: mm-hmm. and
0: they didn't play again until 17 at FedEx. So, um, you know, there's a lot of Hokie fans that grow up going to tech games. Like that was not me. I I went to one Virginia tech game before going to campus there. um, or going to school there. But yeah, so I'm, I'm excited from that standpoint. Um, especially to see West Virginia come into our house and hopefully to, to knock the block off. That's yes. definitely what I'm hoping for. Yep. Um, but it's going to be interesting too, because I do think Virginia Tech is going to be overmatched at times this year at home. And the big issue with Virginia Tech has been how they perform at home, especially over the last few years of the Fuente era. It's been pretty abysmal.
1: Rightfully so.
0: Um, so you know, his first two games at Virginia Tech are Boston College and West Virginia. So not the easiest of matchups. So, you know, we'll see how uh, we'll see how they, they shape out. But you know, what I'll say is this, like Virginia Tech isn't a rebuild, whether you want to admit it or not. I think what we're seeing this year, we'll talk about this more next week, but you know, you can look at different positional groups around the field and you say, you know what, we're we're actually pretty good there. Then you get to the 2D,
1: and you're like,
0: oh, we have zero depth.
1: Yeah, it's bad.
0: Like, if he has to come off the field, or if somebody from this group gets hurt, what happens? And that is just a byproduct of Fuente and his lack of recruiting prowess. And even if you look at, like, you can look at a bad class of, like, I think it was 2019, where we were ranked 76th. Sure. We were ranked 76, but almost half of that class transferred after a year. Yep. So it's like just a complete disaster. And what that has done is, you know, kind of overstaffed us at certain positions. Mm-hmm. So we've been working on those numbers. Now we're moving guys around and, you know, that that can be good. That can also be desperate because you have to basically fill out your roster and have enough guys that you can rotate in at these positions. So, um, it's not a rebuild to the extent of Georgia tech or Duke, um, especially Georgia tech coming out of that triple option or Duke being Duke, but it is a rebuild. It's more of a, you know, let's try and plug some holes. Let's be competitive, maybe win six games, maybe not. And then really start to bring in the guys that we want to start filling in these holes. But it, it may not be next year either it may yeah. be 2024 where we're looking at like actual expectations around the program
1: yeah and the transfer portal is going to dictate the timeline to a certain extent um but you're right the justin fuente talked like the cupboard was bare when he took over the program from frank beamer he talked like it was the cupboard was not bare what justin fuente talked about is really the situation we're dealing with now. This covered is bare. And I'm not talking about frontline talent. I am the depth where we are missing frontline playmakers. It's, it's not we dissimilar
0: are. from Mike Young coming in post Buzz Williams. The only no. difference was Buzz had success. Correct. Fuente didn't. And what was frustrating about the Fuente exit is there was a bunch of guys that went to the league last year.
1: Yeah, no, there was talent. And they the had team. a losing record. Right. So
0: that was the issue with Fuente is it wasn't necessarily always a talent that you go look at the recruiting numbers. Like he was pulling in four stars. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in like 18 and 19, I think 20 was the the terrible 20
1: is when it tanked. Yeah. It didn't get, Um,
0: but they didn't do anything on the field. Just like North Carolina, North Carolina's got all this talent. Their coaches suck. They can't develop it. Like you, you just, you look at North Carolina, you're like, you're in the top five in recruiting the last three years and you don't have a winning record right like that's pathetic if your head coach was anybody but mac brown he'd be canned but the fact that he's mac brown and he's dancing on the sidelines and it's like oh look at mac brown he's wearing jordans look at grandpa and jordans look at look at mac yeah wacky macky it's just a joke which yeah i'm all i'm all i'm all for the clown show because you can go in and you can put guys in these positions that they don't belong in and they can recruit but they can't develop. So right. that's really what we have to see out of Pry and staff. And all indications are, you know, that you know, I think Silas Anzi had the quote about the offensive line room. Like, no, no offense to the previous regime, but <laughs> yeah, it was bad. Uh, we're uh, we're we're in different hands now. So.
1: Yeah. It, it's something to that effect. But I mean, you've heard quite a few comments like that. And there will always be kind of that throwing shade at the previous regime when these changes happen. Um, it's just a shame. And and part of my frustration, uh, we held on too long to Fuente. And it really, really hurt us. I don't think there's any argument you can make that we didn't hang on a year too long to Fuente. And I don't want to hear the COVID excuses. I don't want to hear any of that. The buyout, not remarkably different in the grand scheme of things. The money was there for the buyout last year. What you saw is another year, another depletion of depth. And we could have started this. What is a rebuild a little earlier with with maybe a better roster situation? Neither here nor there. I I think when you talk about depth, a, a good over under is on the 3D. How many positions do you think Connor Blumrich shows up? Six?
0: Well, he's probably the third string quarterback. Yep. Um, he's probably not needed at running back. I still think we have like 10 of those guys.
1: They've mentioned, obviously, <clears throat> fullback, H-back, whatever you want to call it. H-back. So more of the Dalton Keene. Wide, wide receiver, they've mentioned him.
0: I think I think we're going to see him in a Dalton Keene-esque role, which I'm all for. That's what he should be playing.
1: And looking yeah, at the defensive end depth chart, we may see Connor Brumick lined up at defensive end. I mean with Felder pain going down, it's um yeah, it's looking a little grim on the on the defensive front there.
0: Yeah. From a
1: depth standpoint, I don't I don't want people to think this is me throwing shade at the players on the team. Right. This is not a reflection of the players. It's a reflection of the recruiting and the retention that has occurred or not occurred in the past two years.
0: Yeah. And I mean, you know, maybe, maybe we've got some surprises in there, but there's probably gonna be a lot of freshmen playing this year.
1: Yeah. Which not is good. Starving. For the following years, to get these guys some PT, here's what I'll tell you when you were talking about not being excited for football season, brother, I am through the roof excited for hokie football. I'll tell you why. For the past two years, even when I tried to convince myself that I was optimistic and the Hokies were going to be good at football, I had a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach that the inevitable was going to occur, regardless of how good we may have or may not have seemed on paper. Along with that came anxiety. And frustration. And I will tell you, I have not a drop of anxiety about this football season. I may enjoy this Hokie football season more than any other Hokie football season in the past because I have absolutely zero expectations. And what I want to see, what I want to see is a team that shows improvement. And I'm not talking about in the win-loss column because that to a certain degree is going to be limited. What I am talking about is offensive schemes. I want to I want to see a team that looks like they know what they're doing schematically on offense. Right. Um, I want to see a defense that I can be proud of. I want to see a defense that looks like a Virginia Tech defense. And you have all of these things. And more importantly, I want to see a re energized fan base. And I was talking to somebody in Blacksburg. I had a, a conference down there last week. Um, and he was a local guy, He's lived, lived there his entire life. Um, and he was telling me the one difference that is palpable in Blacksburg right now is the amount of excitement folks have for this football season not because people think we're going to win nine, 10 games, just because of the energy the energy that Brent has brought into the program. And that just speaks to fit and an understanding of an identity an understanding of what it means to be the Virginia Tech football coach an understanding of what it means to build a successful football program here in Blacksburg. And I am so ready for it. And I don't need to see the results this year. Not in the win loss column, but I guarantee you, I'm going to have a whole hell of a lot of fun watching these Hokies play football.
0: Yeah, and I, I think I'm on a similar uh, similar path. Um, I think a lot of my excitement last year was <clears throat> fans back in the stands. Um, you know, I mean, we could have won a lot more games last year. Like that—that that was my thing. Like we had a we had a good amount of talent on that football team last year.
1: Well, I mean, we were, what, like 13 points away from three more wins, something like that? Yeah, probably. We, we could just as know. easily be sitting here with Fuente still at the helm if a couple different breaks happened in a um, different way.
0: But, you know, it's just frustration after frustration. But yeah, going to the pride persona, I mean, it's it's like, um, it's kind of like what you need in a football coach, right? Because he's very politician-y, right? Yeah. He's out there, he's shaking hands, he's kissing babies, he's eating lunch every day at a local Blacksburg business when they're on recruiting trips. He's going into Virginia Tech-owned establishments and making sure, like, he's connecting on that level.
1: Right. And in, in what Fuentes, I would say- is head
0: down, no fire. eye contact, in the car, out, in the building, out, doesn't want to talk to anybody. So it's the, a very different approach.
1: The key to pry has been it comes off as very genuine. Right. There, there's a slippery-ass slope. When you when you're a politician, because I I agree, there's a lot of politics to that and what he's doing. He does it extremely well, but you could end up on the Chip Kelly side of things where he takes a flight from South Bend, Indiana to uh, Baton Rouge. And then, you know, he sounds like that big talking chicken from the Looney Tunes. What foghorn leghorn, me and my family. And I'm just happy that we have somebody genuine like pride because that would not work in Blacksburg we yeah. can't have that and yeah. and that is and I'm, the I'm biggest
0: just for the record like I'm not calling him like uh like saying he's faking it or anything no like no no, no. I know genuine.
1: what you meant I yeah. I know what you meant I just think some people hear politician and think, oh fake that's not what you were saying right you were just saying he's going through all of the things that a good politician would do kissing babies shaking hands meeting everyone I mean look what would we get like two weeks into the pride tenure and he was throwing snowballs on the drill field yeah um none of it seems forced and that is you know, exactly you know, what force, what's so,
0: going back to the ACC kickoff thing or the oh no, where they were at the show and they like they pulled him off the practice field and you could just tell like he was just like, like he was just like, he just looked like a bull that had seen red and like he was just like sitting down, he couldn't really focus. And you know, they're trying to like talk to him, he was he was like talking, but like he was just like, he was just in like coach mode. Like so, like the intensity there. It was just like you you pulled a guy out of like a weightlifting competition. He had just taken some like inno explode or something. He just like had to get back to the barbell. <laughs> like that's that's what sort it of felt like.
1: He seems like an extremely intense coach on the field. Yeah. Um so
0: it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that translates to being the head the head coach. And I know right. he's he's gonna have the defense this year, but just as far as like the rest of the game situation goes it'll be uh fun to watch it it, it very much reminds me of like what bud foster would have been like as a head coach
1: watching him in practice coaching the defense was very bud foster like yeah um and i can't get having cameras back at practice i can't get enough of it man it's just so good to see those videos and to see brent pry out there coaching him up plus he's a big program guy i mean he says program which immediately tells me he's good for maybe two to three more wins a year than he would otherwise be if he said program. Um,
0: yeah, the program. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. I mean, the schedule's a little little funky. Um, October is a really really difficult stretch. Oh, it's brutal, man. Um, brutal.
1: What is it? Pitt, NC State,
0: Miami, NC State.
1: Okay, Miami, NC State. Ooh. NC
0: State might be the best team in the conference.
1: They, they're up there, so it's, up there. it's
0: it's going to be uh, that's going to be a tough, tough month. But um, yeah, well, I guess we'll see how it plays out. But that's all I have for today. Yeah. Oh, you know what? There was there was one more thing that I love, just to go back to the prime persona. So, you know, Virginia Tech over the last few years has been practicing in the morning. So now they practice in the afternoon.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the reason is because the quote is, I want it to be hot. I want it to be hard. <laughs> it's just like, I just, I'm like yeah.
1: I love that's, that guy. that's what
0: I'm that's what I'm talking about.
1: That's a big time football movie. But right I mean, there.
0: it's like it's too. It's like that's what makes teams tougher, you know, more willing to give that extra push. Like I think at the beginning of a lot of seasons, we see a bunch of teams like cramp up cramps, you know, whatever. And just gameplay is a lot different than practice play. Right. But, you know, I think conditioning is, um, is a big thing. And just, you know, when you're trying to like reach for that different level late in the game, like you can look back onto something like that. Did that have an effect? Who knows? But the fact that he's as intense as he is, and he's making it harder in practice just for, little things like that you know i think it's um i think it's just a lot of those little things that can really add up to be big changes just in how a program is operated how it runs and how it's basically portrayed outside the building so
1: yeah can't wait to yeah, see a little I'm more a little more grit on the football field and less grit on the helmet bumpers so yeah. um there's no doubt that he understands the recipe, and it's time we just let Brent Pry cook, and he's going to, and I can't damn wait.
0: He's gonna be grilling. He's gonna be grilling up some birds. That's it. Sure.
1: <laughs> those, those. He's like, where where are the ribeyes?
0: He's like you got me chicken. Brent got man. us fourteen ounce ribeyes.
1: Look, I love Packer. I think he's one of the greatest things that ever happened to ACC Network, and he, even before the ACC Network, he was great. But you're telling me the best we could do is throw some frozen hamburger patties on the they didn't even thaw those damn things.
0: Oh, yeah, they, 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 they just were, threw
1: them on there hardest rocks.
0: I think they probably forgot. They went up to cookout. They said, Hey, you guys got any bur- burgers? We need to throw some on the grill. <laughs> they
1: grabbed some bubble burgers from the Walmart and just yeah. tossed them on the grill. ACC but I'll tell network you what, probably can't afford it. You can put Brent Pry on TV doing anything, and I'm going to enjoy watching it.
0: Just don't do it during practice because, like, you can't no. focus,
1: dude. I noticed that same thing when he yeah. he was having a hard time. <laughs> like <laughs> he he was angsty.
0: He was very he, angsty. It looked like he was going to hit somebody. I I was a little worried for Packer because he was sitting right. Next it did. To him,
1: so the, the smiley Brent Pry kind of took a backseat to like yeah. the teeth clenching Brent Pry.
0: Right. It was um, it was very teeth clenching. Yeah. All right, but that's our show for today. Next week, the Virginia Tech. 2022 that's the year we're in right football preview um so we'll break down the uh the roster we'll kind of talk about the schedule give you some expectations that won't mean anything in about three weeks and uh yeah we'll have a lot of fun with it and then um yeah that'll that'll get us about another week closer to the season here so thanks for listening uh be sure to listen subscribe tell your friends like we said earlier and um yeah tim any any final words before we sign off here
1: no uh from me and my family i just thank you guys tuning in catch another episode of chowder and grits we're sorry that the off season was so long um but, but we'll be back with you guys now for five months six months
0: something like that probably through
1: that's the way i'm seeing it
0: yeah new, new Year's six that's what i mean
1: yeah i, I, I got you It's hard to keep this. They are in New Year's. That is real dumb. That's real dumb. Anywho, expand the college football playoffs. Go Hokies. I look forward to talking with you guys next week. See you guys later.